is Lindsay O'Donnell Welch, and I am joined here today with John Holtquist, VP of Mandian Intelligence, to talk about some new Mandian research. John, thanks so much for joining me here today. It's really nice to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so Mandian's latest research is actually seems to be a recent update to the known information operations activity that researchers are calling Dragon Bridge. And just for background here, the Dragon Bridge influence campaign is something that since June 2019, Mandian has been tracking. Yeah. And then uh, and that campaign is kind of comprised of a network of thousands of inauthentic accounts across social media platforms and websites and forums. And these have promoted various narratives in support of um, the political interests of the PRC or People's Republic of China. So can you talk a little bit about just the background of Dragon Bridge? And I'm really curious how you first started initially, you know, way back in 2019, um, how you started tracking this campaign and really how you came across it. Well, you know, the first hints at, you know, the, the sort of first activity we saw from Dragon Bridge was pretty domestically focused. Uh, it was mostly uh, focused on on Hong Kong issues. And we saw a lot of native language or, or Chinese language uh, information operations that were focused on them at the time. They were having, you know, a lot of democracy, pro-democracy protests and things of that nature that were going on. Um, which, what's really interesting is we watched this group grow tremendously since then in a very short period of time. So they went from single language, handful of platforms to... I think they're on over 30 platforms now. They're in seven languages. Uh, so somebody's clearly made a major investment in this operation and grown it uh, tremendously in the last three years. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Because I was going to ask, you know, how it's really evolved over the, the years. And it seems like it's it's grown and expanded quite a bit there. Yeah, I, I think the, uh, the the thing that I, really, I found really interesting about the expansion is that uh, you can, you can, you know, do something on, on one platform and probably cross over to a lot of different, uh, say, targets and things like that. But once you start moving from platform to platform, you've got to develop entirely different techniques for each platform. It's something that essentially doesn't, uh, it doesn't scale well, right? So the more you sort of move into new places and, and operate on different platforms, you're just going to take more people and resources and time. And for them to do that in three years, develop all these operations over such a short period of time, tells me that they probably got a lot of people working there uh, and a lot of uh, different linguists and things of that nature as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I never thought of that. You know, I guess you can't just copy and paste something from Facebook to Twitter. <laughs> so, right. yeah. um, what are the different platforms and like what's an example there of, you know, how they kind of fine tuned different pieces of the campaign to different platforms or websites or whatever? So, uh, yeah, I think each platform offers its own advantages. Uh, I think there are different discussions going on on, on different platforms and, and uh, there are things like, for instance, groups like Facebook has groups that are available to them. Uh, they have 
they they are available there on the, the the Google platforms. Google's tag team has been wonderful as, as far as as identifying this stuff and, and taking taking it out. So is by the way Facebook and Twitter. Um, it you know we find this stuff, but they've all been very aggressive as far as taking down this adversary. Uh, um, you know the Twitter content tends towards the more political. I think. Uh, and you'll find a lot of activity uh, there up there. So uh, really fits in with a lot of the conversation going on, uh, including, for instance, the most recent activity. Uh, there was uh, some uh, sort of latching on to existing political conversation. And, and Twitter is a really good place to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd imagine, you know, the the quote tweets and things like that, exactly. a, lot, a lot of that is fertile ground for being able to kind of being taken out of, out of context there for sure. Exactly. And then I also wanted to make sure I asked um, why, why the um, title dragon bridge, like what inspired you to kind of pick that name out back in 2019? That's that's funny. We didn't, uh, that came from, uh, that came from Google. That's not our name. Uh, They, they, they started it. It's funny. I, I had, I had forgotten myself when I asked that question today. It's like, where did we get this name? And, you yeah. know, of course, the dragon part is pretty obvious, but the bridge part, I, 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 I wonder myself. Yeah. You know, we have all these names kind of flying around, so I'm always curious. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of them are really clever, too. So It's very hard to keep them all. Yeah, I'll keep them all together. <laughs> I, I have like a running list for sure. So. <laughs> so so this most recent subset of the campaign that uh, you guys have discovered has leveraged social media to actually target around rare earths mining companies. Um, And rare metal mining isn't really something I thought I'd be uh, talking about this week. But from what I understand, this is kind of what's used for mining. You know, these metals are used in like electronics and some military Mm -hmm. devices. And it seems like China has a kind of big play there with that type of mining. Um, So can you talk a little bit really how this fits into the equation of this campaign here? Well, I think the thing that they do understand about rare earth metals is that they are extremely important for high tech, for the high tech uh, uh, industries. Uh, the military uses them, for instance, in missiles. Um, they, they're, they're in, in you know, electric cars and they're in our, uh, in our phones. And, and uh, unfortunately, the, the uh, PRC or the People's Republic of China has almost a, a monopoly on these on these uh elements they are largely found in the in in prc territory um and in there are efforts of course to to uh drill them elsewhere or or, or extract them elsewhere in the world and process them elsewhere in the world and there's a real strategic obvious strategic reason to do that right so you you we can't have uh we can't be reliant completely on another country for materials that are necessary to make our most strategic, uh, you know, strategic uh, equipment. And so uh, there's been the Biden administration has even stepped in and exercised some uh, essentially a statute that allows them to uh, basically get, get this stuff moving or get this industry moving in the United States and it's become sort of a, a contentious political issue. Hmm. So China is the, or, or you know, China is obviously not interested in us developing our own rare earth metal uh, capability. Uh, and and we see these actors sort of descend on this in, in on this problem. 
Um, but what's so interesting is, especially when you talk about bigger IO as well, is that you know most IO that we see is is really about governments and civil society, whereas this is the first time that I've really seen them kind of drift heavily into this economic space, particularly with with, it regard, with regards to uh, the, uh, the actual private sector that that's being targeted here. Um, you know, the people that generally worry about IO are governments and civil society, dissidents, uh, and uh, the platforms, and, and not and, and not are most of our commercial clients. Um, and now they've got to start thinking. Some of these will probably have to start thinking about this, especially those that sort of find themselves in the midst of this or this sort of uh, strategic problem. Yeah, yeah, that is a really good point that this is really kind of looking at the private sector as it relates to kind of that economic factor as opposed to the more, you know, what we've typically seen in the past, which is more, you know, targeting politics or government or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So did you see any of that? Were there any kind of tactics or specific factors that you saw that were really part of this campaign that were that you thought? were different due to the targeting of this private sector? Like, did anything stick out to you? I thought it was really interesting that way they went about it. So um, they essentially took, a, they took a few different, they took a few different angles, but I think the one that they overwhelmingly used was the environmental angle. Hmm. Uh, so uh, they, I think there have been issues in the past with, with the uh, processing of rare earth metals and, and the, some of the environmental impact. Mm-hmm. And so they were essentially claiming to be uh, locals who who were concerned that, uh, lo- for instance, there was a processing plant in, in Texas that was sort of in dispute here. Um, and they were claiming to be locals lit- from Texas that were concerned that the, 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 the operations would have an environmental impact on their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's ironic considering, you know, the China's history, as far as environmental impacts, is, is not is not great. But they were pretending to be these locals. They were using hashtags to get their message out, and they were going into, for instance, on Facebook, they were going into groups that were already interested in this topic mm-hmm. in making those in making those sort of claims as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that's a one of the really interesting ways that we, you know, uh, that these guys were operating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you mentioned before, like Facebook groups and and different things like that. Like, there's really these these members who might be interested in something that you know, if you're a, a threat actor doing, you know, that's carrying out a campaign like this, you could really tap into. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Tapping into it, and, and that's what uh, I think this was made it particularly interesting is that that they didn't necessarily go. I mean, some of their some of their operations or some of their comments seem to be kind of going out into the void, mm-hmm. but. You know, some of them, you know, w- w- when they go into a group like that, they're basically communicating with a group that's already predisposed to have this interest in the subject. And so I think they, they can potentially get a lot more ground that way than they would just trying to just trying to, to play up other concerns by themselves. Right, right. Definitely. Yeah. And I'm curious, um, you know, for your research team, when you're looking at campaigns like this, um, information operations, um, or can, is that synonymous with disinformation or misinformation, or is that kind of different subsets there? Uh, it, it, 
It is sometimes, and sometimes these are are, are truths uh, uh, essentially broadcasted by uh, fictitious people, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be completely untrue. It just has to be a, a sort of uh, uh, a, a inauthentic person who's making these claims. Right. Okay. Yeah, that, um, that makes sense. Um, so when you're tracking these types of campaigns, how how do you how do you go about that? Like I'd imagine there's some kind of scouring of social media and these websites where the inauthentic um, accounts are you know posting up. Are there certain characteristics or factors that allow you to really attribute the activity to Dragonbridge? So I should be real clear right off the bat that you know most of this work isn't done by me. It's done by a team. We have a team of analysts and, and, and that is really good. In fact, I think they're the best. An industry at at hunting these these things down, and um, they've been doing it for I guess since around 2016, mm-hmm. uh, and you know that we we really started on on, on Russia and, and we branched out to all these different actors all over the world, and, and we found we found found just about every flavor of information operation you can imagine, uh, and they developed a lot of a lot of really uh, interesting ways to sort of uh, sort through. This, you can imagine uh, clearly, uh, you know, a uh, huge amount of data to yeah. find the, the, the bits that are relevant and, and, and uh, inauthentic. A big piece of that is uh, finding, it's, is, is very similar to what we do with attribution and espionage, mm-hmm. uh, uh, where we're essentially just, it's clustering, mm-hmm. right? So we're always trying to take one incident or campaign or, uh, sort of group of things and find connect it forward or backwards to other other activity uh, and what that allows you to do is to learn about an actor over time right, right. so uh, we could we could have found for instance this incident uh, and it'd just be this rare earth thing and and there were actually some partisan politics around the rare earth thing it was possible that others had an interest in that mm-hmm. but you know the real trick here is to connect it to all these historic other other incidents and we watch this actor over time mm-hmm. and if you watch this actor over time you know their interest is very clearly in line with the prc yeah. you'll learn you only you'll you learn that over over uh a process of uh, of watching them again and again do something again and again and again mm-hmm. i think it's like a um think of like a a, a private or not a private a detective going to crime scene after crime scene um, the trick is is necessarily you is it necessarily for them to know who did it at each crime scene uh, at all? What they can learn, but they can, they can still learn from knowing that this crime scene is connected to that, another crime scene, and then that was connected to another crime scene, and they start learning slowly things about the adversary, like the adversary only attacks at night, or the adversary always wears like a black hoodie, or or, or has red shoes or something like that. And we slowly learn about these things. It's just, it's the same way. Um, these guys may repeat, they repeat certain things and then we start learning it from them. They make, they make, uh, they have patterns in the way that they, for instance, create accounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they clearly repeat their narratives again and again. So we can sort of hunt them down on the basis of those narratives. Uh, there's all these opportunities to sort of find them, but you really want to pull them into that longer that longer campaign and that's where you really learn 
uh, learn about an adversary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's impressive to be able to track that just given, as you mentioned, like the sheer amount of data. I mean, even when I just log on to Twitter uh, one time and refresh my page, it's like it's been <laughs> like completely refreshed. I had the same problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How am I going to keep up with all this? Uh, yeah, it's overwhelming for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, that is uh, really interesting, though. But you mentioned in the research that this campaign, um, you, you talked a little bit about the extent of the campaign and, and really kind of the success, or should I say like lack of success of, of this specific campaign. Um, when you're talking about success and when you're looking at this, these campaigns, how do you measure the success or how, you know, how many times like a campaign has been like different posts have been retweeted or whatever? Is that something? I mean, that's I mean essentially that's what you're looking for. Yeah. You're looking for, signs of engagement so um which which are fairly obvious and there are ways that other ways to measure it but uh you know a lot of these messages thank goodness from from this actor particularly uh have ha had poor engagement they just didn't get uh the pickup there i'm sure they were clearly trying to get um uh there was there was definitely some engagement but it was it was still you know, pretty limited. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that was that's been a hurdle that that the this particular actor, Dragonbridge, has been clearly trying to overcome for quite a long time. They're they're not there in, at the left. They're clearly aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they're not necessarily there a, as far as their techniques and and their ability to to really uh, get the level of interest. I'm sure that they want. Mm -hmm. uh, but. They've made a lot of strides in three years, and, and I'm I'm confident that you know with enough time they'll get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, when you're looking at success, like why might this campaign not be successful? Is it just because the kind of narrow theme of rare earth mining, or is it more that they that the posts kind of look inauthentic and people aren't buying into them? Or well, you know, I I tweet out hot takes all day long, and and some of my most brilliant. Uh, my most brilliant uh, things that I've ever are, are that I think are, are are you know just incredible get get very little engagement. I can imagine uh, uh, you know an actor who is maybe not even native native language, you know, trying to carry out a very specific mission that may have a lot of friction in it and may not necessarily be that popular. Uh, trying to get engagement, it's a tough. That's that's tough to do. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the I.O. you know campaigns that have had huge pickup, uh, they said a lot of controversial stuff and and, and managed to get uh, to sort of um, uh, the, or or they've leaked stuff or they've they've latched on to to real or political figures or sort of quasi political figures who have have promoted them as well. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's a tough thing to do, especially, you know, when you're trying not to get caught. Right. Right. At the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I'd imagine like, you know, you can kind of latch onto these bigger, uh, you know, divisive topics. But I don't know about uh, rare earth mining right now. I mean, I guess they did look at uh, like some of the environmental factors there. But I mean, it's, it's an interesting play. I, I definitely think it's it's even a it may even be a smart play but mm -hmm. i just don't know if they had the, the wherewithal to, to get it uh to get the, the the engagement they wanted right right um well i i also you know what stood out to me here is just when you're looking at the prc and kind of 
the role of information operations for the PRC. Um, I know that um, you know the threat vector that when I think of um, Chinese-based threat actors, I think of you know IP theft or espionage based on widespread exploitation, and obviously this is different. Um, but I have heard that there is kind of this. There have been researchers who say that you know, there's going to be a strategic play there for information operations with kind of the PRC. Um, is that something you see? And, you know, how does this really fit into that? Well, I think what separates them from their peers is that uh, this, because it has this economic, this economic angle, which is, you know, very similar to the way that we watch, you know, that we've seen from uh, with them, you know, with regards to, to espionage. But uh, the, you know, the other thing is that I, I think that they are going to be heavily invested in this space. I think they are. This is only be, the beginning. Um, they are. They are going to. I, I, I believe that they've already. You know, they invest in things like CCTV, and they put. Uh, uh, they, you know, they they put. I guess they print articles and put them in in American newspapers. They have a capability to do that sort of stuff. I think this will be just one one uh, piece that they're going to grow as well, and they haven't they haven't really l- reached the level of maturity those other sort of tools already are are at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What and when you say maturity, like what is um you know what's an example of kind of a campaign that might be more mature or different tactics that these well, I think uh, you know a campaign that that uh, you know appears to bear fruit as far as uh, getting getting into the you know the political or or or, or maybe getting retweeted by pol- the political elite or um uh. St- basically allows them to enter the conversation in some in some manner uh mm-hmm. that, that i think that would be a success i think you know the operations of uh internet research agency in the past have been uh, mildly successful uh they were they were undetected for a long time carrying out operations that were that were being retweeted and and, and even they were even being followed by uh people of consequence uh, mm-hmm. uh i i that's that's the kind of thing that I, you know that worries me the most. I'm also worried that you know even though they may not be moderately or minimally successful uh, now, that they may be able to pull something off during an election uh, mm-hmm. uh, that could have some effect, even though it's ultimately debunked or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's that's a very good point, and you know given the that, you know, we have, we have elections coming up and we have all these other political events um, that are kind of go, have been going on throughout the year. I'm sure that that's going to continue to be a big problem. Um, but then on the other side of the spectrum here, you have um, platforms like Twitter and Facebook that, like you mentioned, have really been cracking down on these types of information operations. Um, are you seeing that as effective? And um, is there, you know, do you see that kind of continuing to, into the future? I, I think that they have very good teams that are that are hunting this stuff. Um, I think they've they've actually also put a lot of really innovative methods, fielded a lot of innovative methods to find and crack down on this stuff. But it is a game of whack-a-mole. It's tough, yeah. right? Even even for very smart people that, that are employed at these platforms, um, it, 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 it's it's tough uh, to do this. So uh, it's sort of it's still sort of a a uh an uphill battle 
Yeah, definitely. I, I think one thing at least that maybe I, I'm i seeing personally um, that is a step in the right direction is I'd argue that there's more awareness among people on social media to be more skeptic, skeptical yeah. of, you know, inauthentic accounts or information online at this point. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of real people I know be accused of being bots. So yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> But well, hopefully, I mean, you know, despite those real people, hopefully that, um, you know, this level of skepticism can kind of help in the future as well. Um, in addition to these um, platforms that are kind of looking at these types of behaviors. What's, uh, you know, what's interesting too, going back about uh, to about how this is targeting private industries, um, you know, is there something that companies themselves can do to protect? Well, that's a great, another good question. Yeah. I think uh, you know, when, when cyber espionage re really started taking off and uh, it was all different flavors of, of cyber espionage, but the, particularly the Ch you know, Chinese cyber espionage that was uh, hitting uh, the commercial sector and stealing IP, mm -hmm. uh, companies had to learn to flex entirely new muscles, right, to, to defend themselves against this problem. And they also had to realize at some point that this was their problem, right? The government can do something. They will do something, but it will never be enough, right? It won't. It won't stop this altogether, um, and so they they're going to have to actually uh, take some ownership of this problem and manage this risk themselves. Um, that I mean, that was for for cyber espionage. What I'm concerned is that we're facing an era where this sort of stuff will now affect companies as well, uh, and, and they could create political liabilities for them. They could create brand problems for them. They could create stock problems for stock market problems for them uh all that's all that's uh possible when you know you're talking about a state-backed actor with real resources mm -hmm. uh, and they're going to have to be able to identify these things and potentially neutralize them on their own mm -hmm. uh, you know uh i don't think that we this is the first this is the first incident of this that i've seen with with some possible small exceptions uh and I don't think we're there where we, you know, everybody's going to have to hire their own information operations, you know, uh, defense team yet. Mm -hmm. uh, but but I think we have to start, we have to at least start watching this. I, I'd imagine there would probably need to be some sort of collaboration between companies and and platforms that where hackers are really making different claims or, or things like that. But I, I don't really know what's going to happen in terms of trying to defend against these types of attacks. I guess we'll have to see. Um, is there any other top takeaways about this research that you want to make sure that we know about? Anything that really made your head turn or you thought was unique? I mean, the, 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 the commercial aspect is what really turned my head. I mean, I was reading through all of our reporting and I saw this and I immediately started reaching out to the, the analysts uh, that were looking at this stuff because I, I thought, uh, because I've not seen this type of activity, IO is generally somebody else's problem. Um, and, and it really shows that this, this stuff is constantly evolving, that actors are be, always be, are consistently becoming more aggressive, uh, and we have to keep a real eye on it. Uh, and I think that the, I, I wouldn't, I don't want, I don't think this is a FUD moment or a panic moment at all, but I do think that, um, it's, it's very interesting. It's something that we want to, we want to watch. Mm-hmm. Definitely something to uh, keep an eye on. So, um, John, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and talking about, you know, this campaign and 
what you're seeing there. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks so much.